I want to start off by just asking you, a, as an individual sitting here, I want to ask you a personal question. So here I have a, my best circle ever that I've drew. And um, uh, this circle below it, I just wrote the full knowledge of God. And I want you to imagine with me for a second here that in this circle, there is everything there is to know about God. Everything that's in your Bible, everything not in your Bible, everything there is, can possibly be that we could know about the Father. We put it in that circle. And I want you to ask yourself the questions. Think of this as a pie chart. If you could take a chunk out of the circle of how much you know about God, I want you to think, what, what does that percentage look like? How much is it? Is there anyone who wants to shout out a, a percentage? <laughs> okay. One percent? Less? Okay. I was at a conference not too long ago, and someone shouted out 20%. I was like, you're bold. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, it's what you guys said is good. You know, I would go for like 0.000000001%. Uh, but the reason I'm saying this is I want us to get a perspective right off the bat with something. You know, when we go to social media, when you go into groups of people, whether it's in your, in your job, whether it's, you know, wherever, any, any kind of social gatherings, you know, sometimes we bump into this thing that the new human nature seems to really have, where we like to look at other people and we like to compare ourselves to other people. And it's kind of like if you think about, you know, you, let's just say you want to buy a new vacuum cleaner for your house, what are you going to do? You're going to go and open up Google, and you're going to like, and you're like, what is the best vacuum cleaner there is? And you're going to look at what's the good price, what's, the good, what's got the best suction, and whatever else there is to look at. <laughs> and you're doing this, you're comparing for a purpose to determine which one is the best. That's why we compare things. And so I want to submit to you, we, we like to compare maybe products and things, and that's good, but we compare ourselves to people. Because we want to determine who is the best. We want to see, okay, we're looking at this guy. What car does he drive? Or what house does he have? Or what job does he have? What position does he have? Or maybe what theology does he have? And what theology do I have? Oh, he believes we shouldn't wear masks. I believe we should. Or vice versa. Wow. And then what we start doing is we're like, oh, I'm, I feel better than he is. Oh, thank you. Thank goodness I'm not like he is. Or we, you know, we think about, oh, look at that guy's hairstyle. I mean, look at this, you know. <laughs> and we're like, I'm so happy I don't have that kind of hairstyle. Or, you know, whatever it is. Maybe it's a conspiracy theory. Maybe it's the shape of the earth. Oh, he believes the earth is this shape? I'm so glad I'm not like he is. Whatever you believe, right? And what we start doing is we start looking down upon other people. You know, Yeshua, he said something interesting. He said in Luke 9, uh, verse 48, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you is the one who is great. These beautiful children we have here, you put them with another child of a different race, maybe, of different economic background, a different whatever. They're not going to be like, they're going to look into that. They're not going to treat their friend different because of those things. Those are things we we, we, we educate them about. 
These are things we teach them. And now we start looking upon people differently based off these things. And even, let me go even a step further with this whole thing. Sometimes it's even, wow, I'm so glad I don't have this sin he or she has. You know, I want to tell you a story. You know, there's, there's a thing about sin where, you know, you can, we, there's definitely a place for correction, right? Where the father says, hey, that we need to bring correction where there's that opportunity for correction, that gentleness. But there's also the story that the Messiah told. He said, there was a Pharisee who went up to the temple to pray. And as he went up, he lifted his eyes to the heavens and he said, oh Lord, I thank you, I'm not like other men. Oh God, these adulterers, these swindlers, these thieves. Oh Lord, I thank you, I'm not even like them, not even like this tax collector. Oh God, I tithe of all that I earn, I fast twice a week. I mean, he's doing, this guy's doing some good, great, righteous things. He's fasting more than most of us in here, likely. And, he's like, and he says, oh Lord, look at all these good things I do, I thank you, I'm not like other men. And then there's this tax collector and the scripture says, what Yeshua said is that this tax collector, he did not even have the boldness to lift up his eyes to heaven. He could not even do that because he understood who he was and he understood who God was. And he, what he said is, Lord, forgive me, a sinner. That's all he could utter. You see, he didn't mention the Pharisee. He didn't mention anyone else. He didn't think, he could have probably found someone even lower than he is if he thought long enough lower in his mind. But he understood that he, is, he cannot exalt himself because he saw his sin. That Pharisee had sin. He just, he just ignored it. And he just pretended like the once his sin being different from someone else makes him better. Because let's be honest, we all have struggles. We all have struggled in the past. And those struggles just look different from the person next to you or someone outside. But we all have issues. The only thing that makes us different is that we have the Messiah. And without him, we're all going, if, if he's not here, all of us, the person you like, the person you don't like, you're all going to the same place. It's not a good place. He's the only one who can make us righteous and whole. I want us to get that perspective because I don't want us to go and say, oh, you know what, I know a bit more about God, so I'm better than someone else. And then you may say, Petey, why are you talking about this? Is because we're about to speak about how we walk like Yeshua. But we can't begin to even talk about that unless you understand that you need to become the least. You need to make yourself the least. Because you're unable, you will never be able to manifest the love of Christ to the person in front of you if you think you're better than they are. And here's the thing. He called you to the least of this world. I did not come for those who are healthy. I came for those who are sick. So the nature of the call is that you will be placed before people that the world considers the least. So you better consider yourself even more least than they are if you want to reach their hearts. Do you get me? Are you with me? This is what we need to get, brothers and sisters, before anything else. Now, when we look at the Pharisees, and uh, what, they, what they cherished, what they loved, you know, the, let me say the Pharisees who came against Yeshua, they cherished the temple so much 
In fact, last night I spoke about how, you know, when Yeshua talked about, I will destroy this temple and rebuild in three days, they thought about the physical temple and they were so offended at that, that they wanted, that was one of the accusations that they wanted to use to crucify him with. So they love the temple and with good reason because the father gave it. It's precious. But I want to submit to you that while they loved it so much, they understood it probably less than many because if, and the reason I'm saying this is if they understood what the temple was about and what it really stood for, they would have never spoken anything against the Messiah. Now, I want to take you on a journey and explain to you why that is. When we look at the temple, and by the way, we're at the Feast of Tabernacles. That's why we're going to talk about this, because the tabernacle was what was given to Moses to build initially, which became the temple you see behind me later. So the temple... I want you to, let's just think about this for a second. God comes, he tells him, I want you to build this place. I want you to do it according to exactly how I say, and then you need to come and bring animal sacrifices. Okay, animal sacrifices. If you hear that word and you're a Westerner, you know, many of us may be like, well, that sounds archaic. You know, that sounds weird. Like, what is that about? You know, in the first century, you need to understand what they're, what, what, the, what they're thinking and how this is interpreted and received. Because when God is telling them, I want you to take an animal. Now, an animal, in the first century, this is their livestock. There is an, a financial value on the head of their animals. Because you went, not, to, not like today, but you know, back then, they went and they paid for stuff with their animals. It was their currency, there was financial value. But not only that, there was also an emotional value. Because like many of us have pets at home, you need to understand that God told them, I want you to not just take any of your livestock, I want you to take the best of the best. So this is the one that you grew, you, you raised it. When it was born, you were like, wow, this is a special one. And you raised it in the family and you may have even grown close to it, just like we grow, grow close to animals. And now you have this, this animal that you cherish. There is a financial value on it that is higher than the others because it's precious, it's perfect. And there is an emotional value similarly for the same reasons. And now the father comes and he says, I want you to take this animal to this place and I want you to give it up. And this animal is going to die. And now it's not just that it dies for nothing. You understand that this life is taken, and this is symbolic of that there is death that has to come because of your sin. That it is a consequence to your sin. The wages of sin is death. And so what it did is just imagine yourself, you, the emotional toll that I have, this, is take, this life is taken because of me, and now you see this happen, and now you are struck, you are pierced to the heart. And what it does is it reinforces something in you. It reinforces the sin, you being conscious, the guilty conscience of your sin. You realizing there is something between me and God because the holy of holies, that, that middle part there, that, that building there, that was where it was, it was realized that the Spirit of God was within the Holy of Holies and the people were outside. And they brought their sacrifices, their animals, to the front, right? They could not go in there. Only the high priest could go in there once a year, a day of atonement. So this all is teaching them there is an issue. 
There is bad news. You are separated from the Father. He is in there, you're out there, and you bringing your animal that has to die for your sins is, is continuously reinforcing the reason why. Because of your sin. So, this is interesting because if you go to the first century, if we could travel back there, everything, well, a lot of, of worship, uh, a lot regarding worshiping God revolved around the temple. People would come from all over the known world to the temple, and this was one of the greatest forms of worship to the Lord. Okay. So I want to, there's many things within the temple that is precious, and we can spend all day talking about it, but there's something I want to zoom on in. That's in, that, hap, that was inside it that I want you to see. So I want to just open up here 1 Kings 6 verse 29. The walls of the main room and of the inner room were all decorated with carved figures of winged creatures, palm trees, and flowers. So the inner room, especially, which is what I want to focus on, that holy of holies, the decoration is full of winged creatures, palm trees, flowers. What does that remind you of? The garden, Genesis, in the beginning. There were certainly flowers in that garden. There were certainly palm trees. And by the end of it, they were winged creatures. Because the Father, when they fell, they sinned. The Father appointed angels, cherubim, winged creatures, to the entrance of the garden with a flaming sword traveling to the left and to the right to keep them out, to keep man out. That separation, that, that, that being kicked out of the garden occurs there. Now it's interesting because now we're seeing the inner room has all these elements of the garden in it. That, where, that, that uh, temple we just saw where the Holy of Holies is, the Spirit of God resides in. And that is like a picture of the garden. Because in the garden was the presence of the Lord. They were in the garden, in His presence, but now they were kicked out. Just like when these people came before the temple with their animals, they are kicked out and they realize it. They cannot enter the gate. They cannot enter the gate from for where behind, because behind it is the presence of God. I want to take this a step further. We have in 2 Chronicles 3.14, And he made the veil of blue and purple and crimson fabrics and fine linen. And he worked cherubim on it. So we not only see it on the walls, we see even on the very veil itself that there is these angels embroidered on it. Again, the angels represent, they are, that this represents them guarding the entrance to this garden, this place where the presence of God was. And so Israel, they were in this place where they understood very well what, in the first century, what was inside the Holy of Holies. They understood that the tablets of stone where the commandments were engraved on was inside there with the Ark of the Covenant. They understood that the Spirit of God was inside there. They understood it, but they knew that they had no access to it. So it was like, that is what's in there, but we don't have it. And this is what this all is teaching them. And so, brothers and sisters, then I want to take you now fast forward from 
or take you back to about 2,000 years ago. We call this the year 2020 because around 2,000 years ago, the whole world started counting back from the most significant event, whether they're believers or not, they started counting down from the most significant event that would ever happen in this world. Where the Messiah was on the cross, he screamed out his last breath, he yelled it out, it says that the Spirit went and, and departed from him. And, and the next verse in Matthew 27, 51, it says, And behold, the veil was torn from top to bottom. And immediately, every, everyone who would put their faith and trust in him, things would be different for. They, will be rest, they are restored back to everything that was lost when, they, when man was kicked out of the garden. The commandments, which was beyond the veil, which Israel knew the commandments, yet they could not keep it. They knew what it was saying, but their human nature was, a, was an opposition to it. And now we see the prophecy of Jeremiah 31, uh, ch chapter 31, verse 31, come to fruition, where God says, I will come and write my law on your heart. And in the book of Ezekiel, he prophesied how the Spirit will be put in God's people. And so now we see that that which was beyond the veil, the Spirit, the truth, comes out. And now, because the veil was torn, it doesn't just stay there with the torn, the torn veil in the temple. It actually moves out of the temple, and it moves inside the people of the Lord. And Peter talks about this. He says, 1 Peter 2, verse 5, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Yeshua, the Messiah. No longer will it only be the, the, the greatest form of worship to the Lord will no longer simply be to, for all to go up to the temple in Jerusalem, but now there is a shift something great has occurred, where now these things, we become the priest of a temple, where the, whole, the spirit and the truth enters our temple. And we now, people, when people before would have had to go up to Jerusalem to, in that form of worship to the Lord, I'm not saying that's abolished, I'm not saying it's unimportant, I'm not saying any of that, but what I am saying is that there was a shift where now we as the temple is being taken into the world because his heart was always for the strangers. You see, people who do not believe in the Lord are not gonna go up to his temple. The people who are pagans, who are lost, who are witches, who are whatever, in opposition to the Lord, he sends us as his temple out even to them. He goes and he says, I want to open the gate for them. I want to open the door for them. Not just for the native born, but for the Gentile, the stranger, the pagan, and everyone else alike. And now I want to submit to you when we go. I talked about this in, uh, last night. Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Do you know why he said that second part of the verse? A city set on a hill cannot be hidden? Because the thing on the hill, that city on a hill, was known. If you went to the first century and you say, what is the city on the hill? What is that light 
of the world. It is the temple. So he's saying you are the light of the world. You are the temple. And you are set into the world to be a worshiper of spirit and truth. And when we go to the Samaritan woman back to her, this is amazing because he is speaking with her and we see that she brings a very important question, a very real question. And she says, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Yeshua said to her, Women, believe me, the hour comes when you will not worship on this mountain, nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Verse 23, But the hour comes, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, and the Father is seeking such to worship Him. You see, the Samaritans believe that, oh, this is the place where the temple is supposed to be. The Jews believe it's in Jerusalem and this place. They had a disagreement. And she, as a Samaritan woman, she's asking this prophet in her eyes. And she's saying, what do you think about this? And he says, a time is coming where they will not go here or there. But true worshipers will Worship the Father in spirit and truth. That which was locked away behind the veil, they will have access to because, and it will enter their temples and they will worship Him the way the Father always wanted them to worship. From the beginning, that was the plan. The temple is only pointing towards that, the physical temple. And this is why I said that if the, the, those Pharisees who came against Him really understood the temples they so cherished, they would have never said one word against the most important temple to ever walk in our midst, the Messiah. So, brothers and sisters, what I am talking about today, what I am proposing to you, I am saying some of you need to think about what is a life, about what is this thing we call life. You know, so, you know what I'm saying is that you, when you go to a hairdresser, you're not just going to a hairdresser. When you go to school, you're not just going to school. When you go to your workplace, you're not just going to your workplace to get some money. When you go and you do your groceries or when you go to fill your car, you're not just going for those things. You ought to open your eyes in the morning for one big purpose, to manifest His kingdom. You see, you are a priest of your temple. And God forbid you're a priest of a temple and you forget your priestly duties of being a minister of spirit and truth to the world. Do not walk around as if the veil was never torn. You see, when we talk about the torn veil, sometimes we, we, we and we ought to, but we think about, you know, how we, God restored access uh, Yeshua restored access to the Father. That's very true. But there's another level I want you to see. If you are the temple and you walk around like this, as if the veil is not torn, you lock the spirit and the truth away and you do not allow it to exit. You are not a priest that, just like the priest in the first century, would be the one who brings God to the people. He administers that. He He's a minister. That's what you are. You are to minister the truth and the spirit to the world around you as this walking temple that the Father has sent you to 
wherever you are, wherever you go. That is what you are made for. Do you understand? This is your purpose. This is who you are. You're not just here to be happy, have a family, get a nice car, and, and retire one day. That's oh, fine, nothing against that. But do not get distracted, so distracted by these things of the world that you forget about what you were made and called to do. Are you with me? Are you sure? Brothers and sisters, we are, God is calling us to this place that is so good because see, some people I've heard, you know, they've, I've heard people say, oh, you know, I wish I was like Moses or I wish I was like Abraham, you know, those forefathers of the faith. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Moses wished for what we are in now. He said, oh Lord, he said, if only all of your people were to be filled with your spirit. This is what Moses said, and it has happened today. Moses was looking forward to the point of where we are sitting in today. And look, today we are seeing a revival of the truth. You're sitting here because of that. But now he is also bringing a revival of the Spirit. So with all these things, do not be like the first century priests who went all corrupt and wayward. Because see, what they did is they were concerned they were so concerned with what people thought of them they were so concerned with their status they were concerned with you know getting stuff building their own kingdoms they were more concerned with that than with building God's kingdom and being the priests they were supposed to be now here's the lesson if you are more concerned with what people think of you, if you're more concerned with p gathering possessions, with whatever it looks like, with whatever it is of this world, if you're more concerned with that than your priestly duties, may I dare say that we will be no different from those corrupt priests in the first century. I want to submit to you that that was a picture. What happened there, that is, not, that is not something that has stopped. We have people who are believers today who, who do not understand that they have a role to be a priest of their temple. And I want you to be a believer who says, Lord, I see what you have given me, the honor of being born into this generation with what, you have, with what I can receive. And I don't want to squander my priestly duties. Because we have a high priest, Yeshua, and he has called us to be priests, like we read how Peter said. So, brothers and sisters, we talked about the sacrifices that were brought, the animal sacrifices in the first century. I want to submit to you that Father even calls us to bring a, a, a larger sacrifice today, to, for you to be a living sacrifice, to give up everything, not just a possession like a, life, a piece of livestock, but everything. You need to die with Christ, be resurrected, and live your life for Him. A dead man doesn't care what others think of him anymore. Go to any graveyard, you can check. They don't care what you think of them anymore, they're dead. Are you dead? Have you died with Christ? Have you resurrected anew a priest for these priestly duties he has set before you? A few years ago, I was, I remember I was, well, a few years ago I was a student at, I'm from South Africa, for, uh, for those of you who don't know, I studied at the University of Pretoria, and I was, I'm going to tell you this story just to connect, make these, this thing practical for you. I was a student and I, we had this, I had this class where we, I was studying a design degree 
And this class was where you would go in and there were these lectures that would come and this, you will have one lecture that will be with you for two weeks and you would sit with this lecture and you would work with this lecture one-on-one -on -one through this project that they give you. And we had this guest lecturer come in. This is a lecturer who comes in once a year or so. And this lecturer, she gives a project. I am excited, you know, I'm a third year or so student and I'm, I take this project and everything I do, I do unto the Lord, really I do. And I am excited and I go ahead with it and everything I do, every time I go to sit down with her and show her what I've done, she just shoots it down and she's just like, I don't like that. I really don't like that. No, sorry, it doesn't work. And for two weeks, this is how, what happens. And I'm, bringing, I'm taking her advice, I'm applying it, I'm doing my best, but she just comes back saying, no, no, no. And by the end of the project, I hand in what I've done, and I, that's like the worst marks I ever got that year for, from that lecture. And I'm like, oh, Lord, what has happened? Like, I really tried my best, and my heart is just broken. So suffice to say, we didn't get off on the right foot, Okay. And she was not a believer, by the way. She was, and I had a feeling in the back of my mind that she knew I was and she didn't like that. So fast forward a year later, and I'm in my final year, I'm in my honors degree, I'm finishing that, you know, the last year's the, the important one. And I have this guest lecture, I hear this same guest lecturer is coming right back to give our next project next week, and I'm like, oh no, Lord. Lord, what am I going to do? Father, this is important. And I pray and I'm just like, Father, I give this to you. Because see, I started realizing that everything I do, I need to be manifesting his kingdom. I didn't just go to study. I went to manifest his kingdom. And so I'm there and this lecturer comes in. She gives a brief and she says, okay, this is the project. I want you guys to design a magazine spread kind of thing. And here's the thing though, is I'm giving you guys complete freedom in the content of it and the theme of it as long as it's something about you. And I'm like, oh. But Lord, and I'm, and I'm like, I, mean, I look at my friends and I'm looking and they're, oh, they're going to do this about themselves and they're going to do that about themselves. And and um, I'm thinking, and I'm going home and I'm thinking about this, Lord, what am I going to do? Lord, I don't want to just do something about myself. I don't want to exalt myself. I want to, Lord, I want to exalt you. But I can because my, I want, my life is all about you. So Lord, let me bring you into this. And the Lord comes and he puts something in my heart. And I'll be honest with you, when I got this idea that the Lord put in my heart, I was afraid. I was kind of terrified because I knew that she was not a believer and I knew that she for some reason or another did not like me. And so, you know, when you, when you know all these things, you want to please someone, you know. So I'm kind of thinking, here, was, here comes the Lord. He says, Peter, I want you to take this testimony, something that happened, that, that, happened, that I did in your life, that you witnessed, and I want you to share that. So I go in the day, I sit down at her desk, it's a one-on-one -on -one consultation, and I need, and she's like, okay, Petey, share what you have. And I'm like, okay, and my heart is beating, I'm scared. And I'm like, okay, so here's the thing that happens. So this is, by the way, just for context, when in this point of my life, I've only been praying for people, or this testimony I'm about to tell her, I've only been praying when this happened for people for like two months or so. I'm really new at this thing. And... I uh, tell her, okay, I'm sitting down. I'm like, okay, so here's what happened. I was in, walking in Hatfield Square. 
I was walking through there and I was busy doing a camera project. I was, as a project for university, we need to take photography, street photography. And I'm doing that and I see this guy and I, I pray for this guy while I'm kind of doing this project and, and I pray for this guy while I'm doing this project. And, and there's this guy, he says, hey, I want you to, and he, he brings me to this lady and this lady, she's sitting on the sidewalk with like a, you know, a cup for money. She's basically begging and she's totally blind. And I'm sitting and I'm standing there and I'm like, well, okay, I'm just going to pray for her. I have nothing to lose. And I prayed for her just like normal, like, Lord, I just pray for her eyes to be open in the name of Yeshua. God, I thank you for healing and freedom. Amen. And I didn't, I'll be honest, it was just a prayer and I was kind of like, whatever. And, I, and she opened her eyes and she was like, and tears started running. And she says, I see cars. I see cars. Hallelujah. And she see, says, I see cars. And she see, because she's in the sidewalk and there's these cars just driving by and she hasn't seen cars in a long time. And I'm, and I'm like tearing up, I'm crying with her and I'm sharing the gospel, I'm telling her who did this for her. A week or so, I, you know, at the end of that t session, I come, I come back a week later because I'm looking for her. I want to see how she's doing. So I'm walking there, the same place where she is, and I don't find her where she, she, she was sitting there. This is her spot. Every week she would sit there, but I'm there and she's not there. And I ask one of the local guys who's there, hey, do you know... You know that blind lady who's all, you know where she is? And, and he's like, brother, let me tell you about that. And I'm like, yeah. So brother, there was this guy. We didn't know who he is. He came out of nowhere. And he came up to this lady. He prayed for her in the name of Jesus. And her eyes were opened. And she never came back again. We don't know where she went. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, wow, that's amazing. Praise God, I come, that's, wow. And I, I'm not telling him who, that, I'm, it's, it's not me, but it doesn't matter because it's him, it's Yeshua. And so I'm sitting with this lecture and this is what I just told her. And she's kind of like, okay, well, that's a cool story. Um, yeah, you can run with it, you can go with it. And I'm like, oh, really? Okay, cool, thank you. I uh, appreciate that. And, and she's kind of like, yeah. You know, she's kind of like, she has to kind of say yes, because it's, it's about me, and what, what can she say? But now, every day, I'm, you know, I'm going home, I'm working. The next day, I'm coming in with my appointment with her. I'm sitting down, and we get to talk about the Messiah for 40 minutes each time, because that's what my project is about. And I'm, I'm talking about this is what it is to be born again. I'm talking about because I'm kind of incorporating all these elements in my design, right? And so by the end, and, and every day I'm praying for this lecture while we're doing this. And by the end of when we're getting to the second week, uh, the project's basically finished. I'm at the last day about before I'm going to hand it in the next day. And I'm, I'm now going to write my final, like what's going to be in this spread of this magazine, if you will. And I'm, I'm like, Lord, you write this for her. Just that, just Holy Spirit, write it for her. And I just start writing this testimony, but I write it for her. And, and uh, I go and I finish it up. I go the next day, I hand it in with everyone else and it's holiday and she takes it in and she marks it. And so I went on to the next project and, a few pro and then a few weeks later, Okay, you need to remember context. She doesn't like me that much. We didn't get off on the right foot a week ago, a, a year before that. So she walks into the class and she's like, hey, Petey, 
can you come here? And I'm like, what did I do? And, she, and I go up, and, and she's, she, she asks, hey, can you just walk with me? And I'm like, sure. And I'm walking with her to her car, and she says, can you just help me get, take the projects out of my car? And I'm like, why are you asking me? You don't like me. That's what I'm thinking, you know? And, and she's like, so Petey, I read that project of yours. And I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope it was good. You know, she's like, yeah, so Petey, is this still happening? And I'm like, what do you mean? You know, your project, you know what it was about? Is it still happening? I'm like, the Lord never changes. And she's like, oh, wow, really? Okay. And I'm like, yeah. And, and this just kind of comes out of my mouth. I'm just kind of like, yeah, you can uh, just uh, join us next week on an outreach and see for yourself. And uh, I'm thinking, like, what am I doing? Oh, my goodness. And, and I'm, my heart is like this. And I'm like, oh, no, I just signed up for I don't know what. Because my lecturer who, you know how it is with authority of someone above you, lecture, you know, that thing is there, right? But I said it, and it's kind of like Holy Spirit just let that out of my mouth. And she's like, yeah, I'd love to see. All right. So a week later, it was so weird. I'm going with my car. I'm picking up my lecture. And uh, we go, and I take some friends, and we go, and we go to one of the poor era, more poor areas of town with his needs. And we get out of the car. Some of my friends, they go one way to pray for some people. And I go with my, with my lecture, and, and we're going another way. And she's walking with me, and she's there to see. This is kind of intimidating, I'll be honest with you. And I'm just like, Lord, help me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like, and, and, but I saw at this point in time, the Lord is busy doing something. And we're going and we woke up to this, this first group of people. This was so ordained by the Father, like this first group of people. And I'm just asking, hey guys, you know, is there any, any one of you who we can pray for? Is anything wrong? And, and there's this guy, he steps forward and he's like, yes, you know what? I have a big issue. And he's really, you can see he's desperate. His, his voice is desperate. And he's like, I have an issue in my wrist, and I have this job where I need to pick things up, and I am struggling to do my job because of this, and I'm afraid of losing my job because he's got pain, he's got weakness in his wrist, and I'm like, oh man, so yeah, can we just pray for you? And he's like, yeah, sure, that's fine. And I'm just like, Father, I thank you in the name of Yeshua, God, for a brand new wrist. Lord, I thank you for healing right now. Amen. And I'm like, okay, you know, just feel, you know, feel, and he's like, wow, the pain feels better. You know, it's much better, not like 100. I'm like, okay, Lord, I thank you, God, for complete healing in his wrist. In the name of Yeshua, now, amen. And I'm like, hey, you just feel, and he's like, wow, it feels much better. And he's going, he starts using it. He's kind of like pushing it against things and trying to do things he didn't, he wasn't able to really do before. And he starts, he's so amazing. I love my African brothers for this reason sometimes because they're just like so excited. And he's like, oh my goodness, thank you so much. And he's just explaining how the Holy, he, he, well, Holy Spirit, he's just saying, I feel this tingling and this warmth when you prayed. It came here on my wrist and all this is happening and he's so excited. He says, thank you, thank you. And this lecture is just kind of like, okay. And she's just like sitting there, standing there like, wow. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm thinking like, Lord, thank you. This is so, so amazing. And we're going on, right? And we go and we go pray for some other people and we go pray for some other people and, and, people, and God is just doing things.
And by the end of, we, we reached the end of this day this, and we start walking back to the car and I'm just kind of quiet. I don't want to tell her anything. I'm just like, I'm just like, and, and she brings it up and she's like, Petey, that was amazing. Like, I have never seen that before. Hey, can you pray for me? Can you, and, and not only that, can you pray for my boyfriend? He's struggling with suicidal thoughts and depression and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm thinking, you weren't a believer. And um, because why would you ask for prayer? And I'm like, Father, and, he just, and I just prayed for her. And uh, it was so amazing. Brothers and sisters, what would have happened if I was too scared of what marks I'd get or, or, or how I would look in front of her? By the way, best marks the, that year. <laughs> because that's what he does when we're obedient. That's what, and even if I got the worst marks, it'd be so worth it. I don't even care anymore, right? A few years later, I'm in my workplace. I'm in Santon. That's like the Silicon Valley of South Africa. I'm, I'm, a, I'm in a corporate environment, okay? You, need to, you know how corporate environments are. You need to be all professional and whatever. I'm sitting in a boardroom. I'm the new guy at work. I'm three months in. And I'm sitting there with uh, seven other people about around this table. And as we're sitting there, we're, we're, I'm working with this one lady on this project I have. And I'm the new guy. I'm trying to have my pose. I'm trying to you know, not lose my job or whatever it is. And this lady, she's there and she's saying, she calls her one coworker who's at the table too. And she says, hey, can you just run to my purse in my office and can you just go get me a painkiller? And as she, her coworker gets up and runs, I'm like looking and I'm like kind of, and she, and I see it's like her tooth because it's her, she's, she's like, her tooth is aching. And I'm like, oh no, Lord. <laughs> Because his conviction just hit me. Look, he didn't come out of heaven and say, Pudy, I need you to pray for her. No, it wasn't like that. But, but he said already in his word what I should do. So I don't have to wait for this. Pff, he could do that, but you know, he already told us what to do. And so because of this, I'm kind of like, oh no, Lord, help me, help me, help me. I don't want to do this right now. And, and I'm really thinking, how can I get out? Should I get out of this? But I know I can't because I have to. I'm going to be sorry if I get out of this. And I'm like, okay, you know what? And before I think too much, I'm just like, hey, Kat, you're a Christian, right? <laughs> and everyone goes quiet. Because <laughs> it's like, and she's like, yes, I'm a Christian. What do you mean? And I'm like, well, why don't we pray for that? Because I don't believe God wants you to be in pain. And, and everyone is just like, what's going on? Like, this is weird. You're the new guy. You don't do that. <laughs> and, um, uh, I, and she's like, okay, you know, sure, you can pray for me. I mean, she had to say that because she was a Christian. <laughs> so she allows me. And she's really uncomfortable, but she allows me. And she's like, and I'm like, Father, God, I thank you for her tooth, Lord. We command the pain to leave now in the name of Yeshua. Amen. And it was so beautiful, like first prayer. And I'm like, and she just goes like, Whew, what happened? Like, this is amazing. The pain is gone. And she looks at me. She's kind of like, who are you? And I'm like, I'm just a Christian. And she says, no, I'm a Christian. And I've never seen this before. And I'm like, well, 
This is just Yeshua. This is Jesus. He loves you, and he doesn't want you to have pain, right? And she's like, wow. And, and her eyes get lock, gets locked on me in the coming weeks because she's never seen that before. And the people in that room, you know, they saw that. It was really beautiful. And, and, she, and Kat, her name is Kat, she starts, like I said, observing me. And so one day, this is now a few weeks later, I'm working, and I just recently got promoted, and I'm still recently, reasonably new at the job, and I got a promotion so early on, it was like, oh God, it was amazing. And I'm, and I'm setting up my desk, and I'm working, and she comes with her rolling chair, and she's like, and, and she's like next to me, she's like, Petey. Like, hey, Kat, yeah, what's up? And she's like, I need to ask you something. Why is it that the rest of us, we work, you know, burning the midnight oil, we, we work uh, weekends, we work hard and, and, you know, all that, but, and you, you don't work weekends, yet you still get all your work done, and on top of that, you just got promoted what is going on? Why is this? And I'm like, Kat, have you ever heard about the fourth commandment? And she's like, what do you mean? You know, the Sabbath. Have you ever heard about the Sabbath? And she's like, no, yeah, I know, not really. You know, what is it about? And I'm like, you know, Father, uh, the prophet Isaiah, he spoke and he said, if you keep it, I will make you ride on the heights of the nations. And so I just start sharing with her about how, yes, I don't work on Saturday, on the seventh day, because this is my day with the Father. It's my 24-hour day with Jesus, right? And I'm sharing this with her, and, I, and I'm saying, and he blesses me even in that. Like, he provides enough manna to sustain me, right? And she's like, wow, okay, I... You know, I haven't really heard about that before. And, and Kat says, you know, PD, I want to try that out. And I'm like, you know, I, that be, I think it'll really bless you if you tried it out. And she's like, sure. And so Kat starts keeping the Sabbath. And not long thereafter, something incredible happens in her life. She is about to be in a change of housing situation. She's about to be, uh, lose her her apartment because of rent or whatever, you know. And now, this other guy out of nowhere who I do not know, she do, does not know, no one knows this guy, and he comes into her life, and, bump, and, he, and the Lord just brings him into her, her life, and he says, Kat, the Lord put on my heart that I should give you my apartment, and you can stay in it, you just, you just uh, pay utilities. Now, you need to understand something. This apartment is in Santon. That's like one of the most expensive pieces of real estate in all of South Africa. My boss did not live in Santon where she lived. So Kat got this apartment, this upgrade, directly from the father. And she starts seeing the God's hand of blessing being poured out on her life. Soon thereafter, you know, I'm starting to walk this road of Kat. And uh, I'm discipling her. This is what this is. And, and soon thereafter, you know, she's like, I'm telling her about baptism. And she's like, what's, what? Yeah, I've heard, but I don't really know about it. Because her church never taught on that. And she does, and she goes to her church. She says, hey, guys, can I get baptized? They say, oh, no, we don't do that. And she's like, oh, wow. And she comes to me with that. And I'm like, Kat, let's just go to the swimming pool. And we baptize her. And it's beautiful. 
she goes back to her church and she tells them about how she got baptized and they just gossip and kick her out of the church. It was horrible. But now Kat's, you know, she's sitting before me telling me this. We were having lunch while she was telling me this. And the Lord says she's joining your Bible study. And I'm like, okay, Kat, I think, you know, whenever you're, if you want, you can join our Bible study, you know, if you want. She's like, you know what, no, I'm not, I don't want to do it, because she's hurt. Like, I don't want, I don't want to do any, to do anything with that anymore. Like, I'm, you know, she loves God, but she, she's hurt by people right now. There was a lot of gossip and hurt. And I'm like, okay, Kat, you know what, you know, let the Lord guide you. A few days later, she's like, Petey, I want to join your Bible study. <laughs> and the Lord just draws her heart. And we end up going to hospital. In South Africa, it's, I think it's a little bit more free than here. We can go to a hospital wards, and we go in there, and I take her with me, and we're just walking through, spending some time just praying for people. And I'm praying for someone here, I'm praying for someone there, and she's just coming with me to kind of look, and, and you know, I pray for someone, and there's like amazing, like they get better, you know, they feel better and all that, and we get to this other person, and I'm like, and there's like a group of people around this bed, and I'm like, uh, hey guys, um, is it okay if we pray for you? Is it, you know, what's going on? And, and they're like saying, yeah, this and this and this and whatever. And, and I'm like, okay guys, you know what? So Kat is going to pray for you now and it's gonna be awesome, all right, Kat? Go ahead, pray. And she's like, okay, yes, I'm gonna pray. <laughs> right? And she goes and she's like, Father, I thank you, Lord, for freedom. We command pain to go in the name of Yeshua. And she speaks in authority. I command this pain to leave because she has seen, I've spoken to her about authority and her identity in the Messiah, how he is, she's been given authority over sickness, unclean spirits, and the list goes on. And she says it, and the Father is so gracious and merciful, even in her fear in that moment, that person's like, oh my goodness, the pain just left my legs. And she starts just like, what? And she freaks out more than anyone else in the room. And she's like, just like, what? And she is so blown away and excited. And her life just starts getting wrecked more and more and more. And her heart is just getting changed. And it's so beautiful. Brothers and sisters, what would have happened if I didn't pray for her teeth? What if I was too afraid? What if I was more concerned with my, keeping my job or, or whatever the, the fear is that the enemy will put on us? What if I was afraid? Well, I was afraid, but what if I had fear dominate me is rather what we should say. The Messiah told Peter this, Peter, do you love me? Tend to my lambs, feed my lambs. And then he's like, sure, Messiah, I'll do that. Okay, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Yeshua, I do. Okay, Peter, go and feed feet tend to my lambs. Okay, yes, I'll do that. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Why do you keep asking me? Do you not believe what I have told you? I love you. Well, then feed my sheep. You see, he's saying, feed my lambs, tend to my sheep, feed my sheep. He's talking about discipleship. Go and make disciples. Go and walk a road with someone that the Lord puts on your heart, puts in your life. If you love me, do this. And you see what's interesting is Peter denied the Messiah three times, if you recall. And the Messiah told him three times, do you love me? We have all denied the Messiah somehow in our lives. 
whichever way it was, but the Messiah comes and says, it's okay, I forgive you. Do you love me? That's what he calls us to do. Do you love me? Go and feed my sheep. So brothers and sisters, I want you to think on these things. You are a priest. You have a temple. You are being sent out by the master into the world. And you are to be a light, like that light on the hill to people around you. So when you walk into the room, do you look exactly the same as everyone else? Or is there going to be something different? Look, all the things I just told you were hard situations, difficult situations. And I could tell you 10 situations like these where I did not do what I was supposed to do. But when we start going and we start stepping on fear and we start going and we'll start seeing the Father come through. And sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes we won't see what we want to see either. It's not always pretty roses and romantic. Sometimes it's really not. I'm telling you that to encourage you right now. But sometimes we, we don't see that. Sometimes you're going to ask, can I pray for, I could have asked Kat and she would have been like, no, I don't want you to do that. Sometimes that can happen. Right, or whatever, things like that. I want to tell you one more story about this. Short story. We were going through the mall, through a mall, a shopping mall with some friends. I was going with some friends once. We came to this guy who was sitting on a bench. I asked him the question, hey, can I pray for you in the name of Jesus? And he says, why are you asking me this? You're the third one today. Just pray. The two guys before me got rejected hard, but see, they were there for a purpose. There's no such thing as failure in the kingdom. They were just as successful, if not more, than I was. Because see, the fall, here is the thing, it's like a garden. You go and you water, you plant a seed, you take care of a plant, but you're not the one who makes it grow. You cannot make it grow. The Father is the one who makes it grow. So you do your job. You plant a seed. You water. You may not be the one who sees it bloom the flower ever. You may move on in that person's life. But you planted the seed. You watered. They may have been a hard person who rejected you, who said, get away from me. I don't like you. It doesn't matter. You planted a seed. And this is what Yeshua said about a mustard seed. A mustard seed is the tiniest of all the seeds, but when it is planted and grows up, it becomes the mightiest of all. So, brothers and sisters, when you go and you get rejected or, you know, you, you feel like you were a failure, there's no such thing. Don't let the enemy bring that to you. There is only success when you do what he has told you to do. You see, we go ahead and we do what he told us to do, and that's what we do. The results is up to the Father. What we see is up to the Father. But you do what you are supposed to do, and that's it. If you do it for that reason and not to just see X, Y, Z, I need to see this, I need to see that, I need to see this. Uh, there's no, it's good to want to see things and miracles. I, I want to see good things happen to people. I want to see people set free. I want to see people accept the Lord and get salvation. I want to see that. But uh, the, re the number one reason I go is not because I want to see it. The number one reason I go is because he told me to. Because he's the one who lets me then see those things, but I go in obedience, and that's my job. Amen. That takes the pressure off. 
That's like, okay, I'm just going to go and be obedient. And Yeshua said it's going to be hard sometimes. He said the world hates you. If it's easy, you're likely doing something wrong if it's too easy. Because the world is hating the, hated the Messiah and they will hate you if you successfully imitate the Messiah. It's as simple as that is. So before I end off here, I just feel one more thing put in my heart that I want to share with you. What happened last night um, with the deliverance was beautiful. <clears throat> I want to just share something regarding that. When we speak about <clears throat> authority, what we need, I, want to, I want to just give you something that happened on the way here. When I was, I first went to, last weekend I went to Georgia, and then from Georgia I went here to you guys. And when I, the night before I flew to Georgia, I got on my knees before the Father and I said, Lord, I don't want to enter this place, places, these places I'm going now, and leave and have their people have demonic oppression and leave and people, they remain in their demonic oppression. I do not want that. I want people set free. So Lord, when I enter the room, I want every demon to tremble. That's what I prayed. Okay, because now that reinforces my authority, my identity, who I am for myself. It gives me that because you need to know who you are if you want the demons to know who you are. Let me tell you that. Okay, so I prayed this prayer. I, the next day, I'm getting on the plane, I'm, about, I'm on the way to Georgia, and as I'm on the, I, I'm sitting in the plane, you know, we're about to, we're starting to taxi, and as we're taxiing to the runway, I open my Bible, and I'm just, I'm just have some time, so I'm reading some, just wherever, and I just open, by coincidence, it just opens to that uh, chapter where Yeshua um, met the man, they got off the boat, and then they met the man who was in chains, and he, was, uh, he had demons, and he just broke away from those chains over and over. You guys know that story. So I'm reading this, and I'm just like, wow, Lord, this is awesome. Yeah, Lord, I love this, because I was just praying this last night. Like, uh, yeah, I want this, right? And, and as I'm reading this, there's this guy, two rows behind me, and he starts just like, <laughs> I don't... I don't want to be here. I really don't want to be here. And he just starts manifesting this demon. Like, like really, you could see. He's just like manifesting. He's just something is wrong with this guy. And everyone around him is like freaking out from this guy. And the, the air hostess, she comes and she's like, and she turns around and she goes to the pilot. And she goes and she comes and say, goes says something to the pilot. And then the pilot says, guys, we are turning this plane around. And uh, they're just like, everyone is a little freaked out. And this guy's just like, I need to get out of here. I need to get out of here. And then they go and they drop him off. And the pilot's like, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. We needed to drop this guy off because we were not sure about this guy kind of thing. And I'm sitting there like, and I'm honestly, when this happens, I'm kind of thinking like, wow, what's going on with this guy? And, and I, just like when this guy got dropped off, you know, I'm kind of back, just laying my eyes back in my Bible. And, I'm, and I read what I just read. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I just prayed this last night, and I'm just reading this right now, and this demon couldn't take it. You see what I'm saying here? And yeah, glory to God. So, so you see, what I'm, what I'm trying to tell you here is that, and this is not about PD, like really it's not. Like this is for you all. This is where the Father wants us to understand our authority, and this is not because I, 
I prayed for five hours, now this is why this happened to me, really, this is not about that. This is like, I just simply understand I'm a son. This is just me understanding I'm a son of the king, he's given me authority over unclean spirits, and he has given this very same thing to you sitting here. And so you, I want you to go, and I want you to have this understanding that yes, I do have authority. I have it, it's not something I need to work for. Big deal. Stop trying to work for it. Understand it has been given to you. The disciples were not, they were fishermen. They weren't holy men when Yeshua met them initially. They were really rough around the edges. And he gave them authority over unclean spirits pretty early on, reasonably early on in the ministry. They came back saying, even the unclean spirits submit to us. And they were so excited. And he's like, yes, do not rejoice in that. Rejoice, your names are written in heaven. But see, we have to be uh, you see, when we think about them, you know, I remember when I was young, we read about how their shadows healed people. Do you guys remember the apostle's shadows? They just brought people under their shadows. And I remember when I was reading that, even as a young boy, I thought, you know, oh, wow, they were such big men of God or whatever. You know, but what we need to get, or we think, oh, it's because they're the apostles or, or whatever. No, they just prayed that prayer I prayed that night. They just said, they had the, the Messiah tell them, you I give authority, you have this, not because of what you've done, because Paul said himself, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? No, you did not, you did not. So do not think that I received this and that because I need to be perfect and sinless and oh I made a mistake today no demon is going to submit to me today oh no the enemy is going to try with all these things these lies just to understand you're accepted into his fold he gives you authority are you with me Hallelujah. So God, I thank you, Lord, right now, Father, for just making that known to everyone who's sitting there. Make it known to their hearts of the authority, the identity to be a son and daughter of the King that you have given them. Lord, I thank you, God, for opening doors of opportunity in these people's lives who are sitting here today, even this week. Father, to be the light, to be the spring of living water in wherever they go, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would convict their hearts to open their mouth even in difficult situations and when, it's, when, when there's even fear, I pray you would give them boldness to overcome that and to just be who you call them to be, Father. Regardless of what they see, to not be discouraged by what they see and results and all that, but let, to, let them just have their eyes on, fixed on you and to just obey what you have called us and sent us out to do. Lord, I thank you, God, for tabernacles. I thank you that you came to tabernacle among us this weekend and that you call us to be a living tabernacle that walks everywhere, ministering your spirit, ministering your truth everywhere we go. In the name of Yeshua, Father, I thank you. Amen.